Irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. Welcome to All Things Therapy. I am Lisa Tai here, your host. My show weekly is about um, personal growth, well-being, and healing. And I bring you guests that are practicing in various professions, uh, modalities, etc. And um, my belief and philosophy is that all of our contributions matter, and that is what's most important. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. I practice as an intuitive psychotherapist. I'm EMDR certified and a Reiki practitioner. I have offices in Los Angeles, where I am today, and in New Orleans. So you can find me either on LA Talk Radio under All Things Therapy or my website, which is nolatherapy.com, the abbreviation for New Orleans Los Angeles Therapy. I do sessions in person on location, and by Skype and phone. My guest today is a really amazing woman. Her name is Ann Barak, and she owns a company called Quintessential Healing. She's a certified nutritional consultant and a naturopath. And at the age of 24, she was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. She created her own self-help program, which led to her discovery that yeast and fungal toxins are the main culprit underlying all autoimmune diseases. She's been symptom-free for over 20 years now, and this journey of her personal healing has led her to to write three books that we are going to talk about today. Um, One is Healing Multiple Sclerosis. The second book is The Candida Cure. And then she's also come out with the Candida Cure Cookbook to help people use natural remedies and foods as as medicine to heal their bodies and their mind. And I'm really, um, I love her mind-body connection, bringing in spirituality and, and other branches of the healing arts into medical conditions and healing them. So let's bring her on. Hi, Hi Lisa. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Thank you for being with us today. How are you? I'm fantastic. I'm in New York, and it's sunny, and that's a good thing. That is a really good thing. You're on the other coast. <laughs> I am. Yeah. A beautiful view and a beautiful day. So. so I was. you were brought to my attention from mutual friend Catherine Gray that I'd like to give a shout-out to about, about your work and your books, and um, I found them very inspiring, and I'm not sure where you want to start with, with the show today, but I'd like to just kind of let you take the lead. Okay. Well, I think, you know, I like to give a little history because I think it just bridges into why I have the insight into healing as I do. Yeah. And I think then people kind of identify with, oh, yeah, with that. No, I connect with that. So, you know, as a kid, I was a sugar addict. Um, I had a you know rough childhood. My parents divorced at three, and it was not an easy ride. Sure. And sugar led me into lots of infections, colds and flus. 
I, you know, tonsils pulled by the time I was three. I was immune to penicillin by the time I was nine because I'd had so many infections. And I rotted out every tooth by the time I was a teenager. So I had a mouthful of silver amalgam filling. Yes. And 18, 18, I had my first health crisis. I had, you know, kissing disease, mono, no big deal. Your bed rest. Well, I rested, but I didn't get well. Yeah. And then I ended up seeing eight different specialists and... Uh, you know, basically, there, I was a guinea pig, and I was, you know, taking all these medications, and I was toxic, and I was really dying at that time. And at age eighteen, is that correct? Wow. Mm-hmm. And so I basically had a medical intuitive step in my life at that time, and said I was loaded with candida. And I'm like, mm. what the hell is that? Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then, literally a week later, Dr. William Crook was the first, kind of the second MD to popularize yeast connection, and that was the name of his book, The Yeast Connection, and it fell in my lap, and I took the questionnaire, and I cried, and it really confirmed mm. what I had understood about candida, and it's a yeast overgrowth that I think is an epidemic in the United States, yeah. and I followed a protocol of an anti-candida diet of, you know, no sugars, gluten, dairy, corn, um, alcohol, and I took an antifungal drug called Nilstep, which is a powder at the time. And I followed the protocol for a year, and I got better, and it was amazing. I just didn't know that if you don't keep a healthy lifestyle, once you've had a chronic case like that, it can come back even more virulently. And so I went back to my crazy ways, type A, got into sugar again. And at 24, I was knocked flat with MS. I was in a restaurant and had a conscious epileptic attack. It looked like that to my friend. And before you know it, um, you know, I was sitting across from the physician, and he says, well, the great news is you don't have MS. The bad news is you have multiple sclerosis, and get ready for the wheelchair. And Oh, my gosh. You know, At 24. You know, we, have, we have chemotherapy. So, yeah, I was 24. You know, I'm just getting ready to start my life. Yeah. And I looked at my mom, and I said, and I'm an only child, mm-hmm. and I said, I'm, you know, <clears throat> I said, if I take this chemo, I'm not going to make it. I said, so if I'm going to do this, I want to do it my own way. And, you know, it took a lot of courage on her part because I'm her only kid. We're talking early 90s. There wasn't all this information about holistic and integrative right. medicine. So, you know, I, it was four years of hell, I, um, but found some common denominators. I got back on an anti-candida diet. I took nystatin, which is an antifungal drug in pill form. Yeah. I took minimal supplementation because I didn't know what I was doing. And I worked on emotional mental things. And I basically, within that four years, I survived a near-death experience. I also survived a suicide attempt. Yes. So I cracked, you know, physiologically and psychologically, but the beauty was by the time four years had come around, I had changed my DNA, and I never looked back. I've been symptom-free for over 22 years, and, you know, there are many gifts out of it. One is I'm healthy, and two, it it was really, I think, a shamanic experience for Mm -hmm. me to realize what I was to do in life, and that was to be healer, and I've been doing that for 18 years now. That's amazing. I, I love where you write in your book. You you document extensively your personal journey and the near death experience and suicide attempt. And and then at at a certain point, I found it just like wow for you to be able to to say why would I give thanks for a disease and answer how if it wasn't for that experience, you wouldn't be able to discover truths that set you free and now has allowed you to set other people free. Absolutely. You know, that's one of the things I try to tell people, you know, when you're in the trauma, it's really hard to find the wisdom in it. But I feel every trauma tragedy is an opportunity. And for me, there were so many pearls that came from it. And I mean, I was I remember being in the record business before and I enjoyed it. But I was so I was so not connected with my passion. And I thought, what am I doing on this planet? 
Mm. And after I conquered MS, it was so key, and it, you know, locked me into, you know, something I'm so passionate about because I feel it's one and the same. I feel I'm a healer and a person all in one, and no matter where I go, whether I'm in office seeing a client or I'm on the streets and someone asks me a question, it's just who I am. Yeah. And what I love to do is help people get well and transform and uh, live out their highest potential. How was this experience for, for your family? Like you're going through your own personal experience and then in the context of your family and friends and going to school, like I, I imagine it disrupted everything. Well, at that time I was just kind of, I, I kind of let everybody on the wayside go. I was just, it was so traumatic and my mother was really my rock during that time with my stepfather. It was stressful. I mean, my mom lost a lot of hair. Uh, it, it was an incredible amount of stress, um, particularly as the emotional part of me started to unravel and having to watch your daughter, you know, go through a suicide attempt, it was, you know, it was, it was horrible. And I yeah. think, you know, but I'm so grateful that she held steady because I do believe I was supposed to go through those dimensions so that I could be equipped to handle anything that, and anyone that comes in my office. And I am, you yes. know, when you're dealing with, you know, I see everything, but I specialize in autoimmune conditions and those are very layered. And people have a spiritual body, they have an emotional and physical body, and I am an intuitive, so I'm able to tap into that, and mm-hmm. I feel equipped to handle what walks in my office and connect to them or relate to them or pull out a tool that they need or identify something that they're in denial about, because it's not just about what you eat and what vitamin you take. It's so much about what emotions you're suppressing, the thoughts you think, the traumas that are stored in the cell memory of the body, so... I really come from a very holistic perspective yes. with everyone that I work with. Well, and that's what I love about your work and, and your books. You talk about, you know, the emotions trapped in the body and buried mm-hmm. anger in particular. And I wonder if you could speak more to that in, in the role of buried anger and other emotions and traumas in autoimmune diseases that you found. I think one of the themes that I see most in autoimmune is a sense of um, – Suppressed anger, low self-esteem, coming from perfectionism. Mm, okay. You know, I, I was I was very much that. You know, I had a rough childhood, and so I was trying to be perfect and, you know, take on everything I could to because I didn't feel good enough, and that's really the theme. Okay. And I and you overcompensate, and so what I realized as I evolved in life that I still love the word perfection. But I changed the belief around the meaning of it. So when I grew up, it meant I wasn't good enough. And beliefs are not laws written in stone. I mean, that's how I changed my DNA, you know. But the same thing is that I started to believe, okay, I'm perfect now, and there's room for growth, and I don't whip that growth. So I changed the definition and the belief around what that word means to me. And that's not something, as soon as you consciously say, oh, I'm going to believe something different, it doesn't mean you're going to, you know, instantly behave like that and feel that way. You have to put the time and diligence and yes. tenacity to uphold that new belief. And that's what I did to change my DNA. There was, after my near-death experience, um, I was solid in knowing I was either going to beat this completely or I was out. There was no gray for me because I couldn't breathe, swallow, move, function right. I was basically bedridden the first six to eight months. Um, I was terrified to be in my body. The very simple things someone takes for granted, I had trouble with. Can so you, when I endured that and came out the other side, I just knew that somehow, some way, this body was brilliant and it knew how to heal itself. Yes. But there was, but there was no quick fix. It's, it's a lifestyle change. And, you know, I saw it through. And that's really what I try to educate others on is that there are great tools. And yet it does take tenacity, particularly if it's a chronic situation. 
Yeah, and so. you're, you're talking about the natural intelligence that the body has to heal itself. And, and I'm thinking how when people are physically ill, it affects one emotionally. I see and have experienced, you know, depression, a sense of hopelessness. And I think to do the things that you did to change your diet, to change, you know, what you consume, what you don't consume, your activities, to even shift to being open to new beliefs takes energy. And I wonder how do you help your clients, you know, kind of tap into that strength and energy that's required to make these changes? Well, one is I spend an hour and a half to two hours with an initial client. So oh, I wow. get to know them and I listen to them. I listen to their story. Sometimes that's all you need to be able to, for someone to reflect on, because you gave them the opportunity to get it out of them. But within that, I also, depending on what's going on, I have lots of tools in which I guide them. It could be everything from affirmations to doing emotional freedom technique to maybe they need a great acupuncturist. They need to, you know, do meditation. And everybody's different, and you have to meet them at where they're at. But first, you have to pull them out of denial. So my gift as an intuitive is I can tap into where they're stuck. Oh, wow. And then I can present that, and I usually find that when that comes to the surface, they cry. They have a release. And then just by that release and acceptance, you freed them. Yeah. And then you support them with certain tools to start the journey to heal. And, you know, and you connect it. You know, when, I, when I'm able to connect all the dots, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, then it becomes, there's a foundation and a platform for them to become hopeful. Because if you don't have hope, yes, you're not going to make it. You're just not going to make it. And then after that, you have to have solutions that make sense. And if I just went as quickly as a physician did and gave them 10 minutes and a prescription, yeah. and I did the same with vitamins, they're not going to stick to it. So I'm a stickler on education because... I don't keep my clients. I help them get well, and then I say, you're off, you're free, you don't yes. need it. My goal is to get them elevated and educated, and once they have that sense of consciousness, they know when they're veering off how to get back into balance. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's the time, plus, you know, I give a great packet of handouts that have tools on all levels and great books and resources, because sometimes people need a team. It depends how complicated it is. But... Um, there's so many things now that are so viable. You know, when I think back to when I had MS in the early 90s, I mean, there was nothing out there. The health food stores were tiny. Uh, things in, like, the Bodhi Tree bookstore that no longer exists. Yes, I've heard book. of that store. Yeah. Yeah, there's only one book on MS that had alternative approaches. So there's so much at our fingertips. I think, actually, the opposite now is that we have so much information that people get on overload and they don't know what program or protocol to, to follow. Use. So yes. You know, and what I do is I'm really good at taking complex situations and simplifying them for people and refining what they need to do to get well. So you've mentioned a couple of times being a medical intuitive and having those abilities and gifts. How did you open to that, to knowing that you can see, you know, the limiting beliefs to for people to have that aha moment and then be able to shift and affect their DNA? How did that happen for you? You know, I think I always had it as a little kid, but based on society, you just shut it down. I mean, everybody has an inner voice, that gut feeling. Yes. So I kind of shut it down through childhood trauma. And then when I became a practitioner, just seeing volumes amount of people, it just opened up. And the more I just relied on it as a knowingness, because, you know, some people can hear things, some people can see things. I'm a knower and a hearer. So it's, I just know it as if it's a fact if I was reading it from a book. Yes. And I just started to go more with it. And the more it's, it's a, it's a muscle that you practice. 
Right. And I don't, you know, and I'm very good. It's hard sometimes to read myself, but for anybody else, I'm right on. So the more I practiced, the more I trusted, the more I trusted, the more accurate. And it just kind of went from there. And it's just continued to expand and open up. Did this happen concurrently with your diagnosis of, of MS or, you know, as you were you were determined to heal yourself? It's clear. It's obvious in, in your books that there was no other option once once the suicide attempt, you know, that you are going to figure this out and figure yourself out. Do you think that kind of really shifted your energy? It probably did. I definitely think. I mean, prob- I never in your death experience, I think, is always it's transformational. You come in with the, you come back with a sense of gratitude yeah. and you come back with a higher sense of consciousness. And I've always been a deep thinker. I've always, I used to be kind of terrified and I never knew who I could talk to when I was a little kid because I didn't really care about what most people thought about. I was so deep about the world and life and uh, fears that were bigger than what I knew how to tackle and even maybe put words to. So I think that, you know, when I had that experience, it's just, you know, it elevated, and I've always had a great sense of compassion for everybody on the planet. So it's just kind of, you know, all merged after that. And then obviously once I healed, it was like, well, what else would you do, you know? Because I remember yes. being a child and always I'd be the kind of person where someone would sit next to me on a bench or at the bus stop, and for some reason they always felt comfortable telling me their life story. And uh-huh. I was always curious about knowing it. And it just seemed to, you know, it made sense. I chuckled when I looked back. And now what I do for a living, because I'm so fascinated by people's stories, and I'm so interested in helping them not only get healthy, but find out what their passion is. And because I feel if you're doing what you're passionate about, you're contributing to the planet. And I imagine it keeps you taking good care of yourself and staying healthy yourself, being that you are a healer and and so tuned in to your work and, and, and connection with others, that it helps you stay healthy. It does, and I'm someone who I really do pride myself on walking my talk. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not a monk, and, you know, I have had other things go on in my life, you know, but the thing, and what happens is it's mainly more from stress because of trying to save the world. And so I had to have a total hysterectomy about three years ago, and that really taught me about I need to nurture myself as much as I nurture other people. Yes. So I'd love to see the lessons stop coming, but I got the memo on that one, and, you know, hopefully, but I really <laughs> do, you know, I love, to, because I have to, to be able to read clearly and do the work I do, I need to eat cleanly, and I enjoy it. It's not even like a have to, I don't feel deprived, it's a want to, because, you know, I'm 50, and I have energy like a 20, 30-year-old, I mean, I can go, go, go. Yeah, your body craves it once it gets used to, you know, the the changes in diet to things that are healthy. Right. Yeah. So just to educate our, our listeners and research that I got from your book that 50 million people, and I don't know if that's the most current statistic in the U.S., have an autoimmune related disease. And it's one of the leading top 10 causes of death in the U.S. That's like a staggering it is. statistic. It, it's, well, it's staggering. I mean, you know, you have staggering. What's going on in the U.S. is you've got one out of two people with cancer, one out of three with diabetes one out of five with an autoimmune, and one out of three over 60 with Alzheimer. Wow. We're toxic. We're toxic environmentally. We're toxic with stress overload. And we are toxic with our food supply. It's just, this is a time where people have to have more personal accountability and start to make better choices. We can't get away with what we got, could get away with 50 years ago. Right. It, 
you know, and I'm not someone who's like, you know, I'm not a monk, you know, I will give my clients as much as I can, but I put everybody on an anti-candida program because I feel it's the baseline in getting someone well. So for 90 days, they're giving up booze, sugar, corn, uh, gluten, and dairy, and they feel amazing. And then after that, I'm like, if it's not autoimmune or cancer, then I'd say, you know, once or twice a week, go ahead and indulge. But if you go back to eating stuff that's not great for you every day, you're just going to revert and probably into something more seriously. So... How, this is a time yeah. where we have to have more accountability. Yes. How long have you seen, is there a typical time frame, someone working with you making these changes, you know, a time frame when they start to feel better, look better, experience the relief? Yes. The, you know, if they're not dealing with a chronic condition, such as autoimmune, the average client only works, excuse me, four visits. So within usually 30 days, they're 60% better. Within 90 days, they feel like a brand new person. I set them free. I tell them how to maintain in the world, and, and they come back for one three-month visit, and I set them free. It doesn't take long because I realize that there's some common denominators that people walk in with without testing. They have gut dysbiosis, which means they've got candida, parasites, etc. It's a given to me. It's just whether it's mild, moderate, or severe. They've got their blood sugars out of balance, whether it's hypoglycemia or more hyper like diabetes. Yeah. Their adrenal glands are shot from too much stress and not balancing their life. And their liver gallbladder is congested. I call it the oil filter. And I need to congest and decongest the um, lymphatic and bloodstream and kidneys. So I come from a full-bodied approach. And when you put that together mm-hmm. and then you accompany that with a clean diet, an anti-candida diet, it's, the body moves swiftly at moving on inflammation. The root cause of all disease is inflammation. It's just what are those things that are causing the most inflammation? I believe it's yeast overgrowth and everything else that I've mentioned. So um, it doesn't take long. I mean, that's the brilliance. I can have a 90-year-old in my office, and I'm still amazed at how fast the body can heal. I am too. I'm so glad I asked that question because I thought your answer would be just randomly, I thought six months. But to hear that within 30 days, people experience feeling so much better. Wow. That's doable. Right. That's really doable. It is doable. And I just tell them, you know, it's not – if you take the focus away from – deprivation because if you take the word diet which i don't love to use yeah. but diet equates to deprivation and then if you go into the lifestyle change removing inflammation then that's the way to do it let's try to shift their perception away from that yeah so um, and reframing that exactly so i want to open the phone lines in case there is anyone that when has you, when you realize when you realize that you're on their side and you're not pointing a finger but you're more of a cheerleader and you educate them, they're usually very willing to do what they need to do. Definitely, because it sounds like your involvement to really spend that time with them initially and and coach them along, it's like you're invested. It's obvious that you're invested, which a lot of health practitioners, because of insurance companies, because of certain things, you know, they have such a limited time to spend with their clients, with their patients. And and clearly, I'm I'm imagining that, that your clients feel really cared for and seen and heard they do because i love people and you know i don't you know i do this because it's from my heart you know and i think it's you know they get it and we have a good time and i use humor when i can and i'm you know more um i i, go, I meet them with where they're at but i always want them to leave inspired yeah. educated and hopeful and I also get the sense that you're not judgmental, that whatever they've been doing, eating, drinking, like clearly you, you are not judgmental. That comes through in your spirit. So I bet that helps people oh. really be honest with you and themselves. Oh, 
Yeah, God knows. I mean, I've, I, you know, I hit every wall possible. Yeah. <laughs> and I expose myself. So I want them to feel that I'm very relatable because that's really how you also get people to comply. I mean, there is no judgment. We're here. Life is a journey. And the point is to carry the wisdom from those experiences that weren't great. But, you know, we get infinite tries. And so, um, no, I give them a lot of freedom and flexibility. And I'm also very honest, though. I'm like, you know, if you can only take 50% of the program, this isn't the right time to see me. Come back when you're ready. I'm never going to judge you, but this isn't the right time. So, you know, I use, you know, I'm authentic in that way, but also humorous and also very supportive. Yeah, and, and direct and honest. Yeah, because I don't want to waste their time or, or mine, because there are a lot of people that need to see me, but I only want the ones that want to see me, because I'm not making the changes. Health is a choice. Right. So you have to make those changes. I can encourage you. I can guide you, but I don't make those choices. Exactly. So I am going to give the phone number in case there are callers that want to call in to speak to you or to me. So anyone listening to call in and speak to Ann or myself, the number is 818-602-4929. 818-602-4929. So, and again, just some basic education about candida, that it is a harm, harmless yeast that is in our bodies. It's in everyone's body in, in a natural way, and it lives symbiotically in the environment, in our mucous membranes, gastrointestinal tracts, and on our skin, but it's when it's overgrown that it becomes a pathogen. Can you talk more about that? Yes. I mean, it's, you know, we're all about, science is talking about the microbiome, which is the, you know, ecology of bacteria in the GI tract. And everybody wants to have 80% good bacteria to 20% not so good. And in that 20% are single-celled yeast candida, and they live in male-female child. And they stay balanced until you upset that environment. And the things that would disrupt it to create an imbalance are one round of antibiotics in your lifetime, steroids, birth control, hormone replacement, chemo radiation, sugar, stress, alcohol. You only need one dose of those antibiotics. So let's just say you've had strep throat, you're seven years old, you take some antibiotics, it wipes out good and bad bacteria in the gut because it can't distinguish. And without enough good bacteria, the yeast starts to multiply. And then it starts to overgrow. People are like, no, oh, that was 20 years ago. How could that be me? They said, what do you love to eat? Everything that turns into sugar rapidly, cookies, cheese, breads, wine, liquid sugar, it will feed this yeast through a lifetime, and then eventually it turns from a single-celled form to a root fungal form, and it will burrow out of the intestinal tract, known as leaky gut. And when it gets out into that area, it's the toxins, mycotoxins, their waste products are from the fungus, that will disrupt communication in the body, suppress an immune system, it'll go where you're most vulnerable. So for some, not only does the gut get leaky, but so does the brain. And it could be brain fog, mental illness, anxiety, MS, some that might stay in the gut and they have IBS, Crohn's mm-hmm. disease. Um, it will go wherever you're most vulnerable. And the great thing is fungus is very treatable. But if you're not conscious of it, and there's no great blood test or stool test, so a lot of times it's underdiagnosed or misdiagnosed, then it will really do some serious damage. But yeah. if you know what's going on, it's one of the easiest things to turn around. Okay. So how might so, someone who's listening, if they're feeling, if they have any of these issues and medical conditions that you named, or is there a way, like, how, what would be their first step? And how can they reach you, for example? What, how well, can... the, 
the first step would be, you know, they could certainly surf the Internet, but my book, The Candida Cure, is a really succinct um, program, a self-help program, so no one even has to see me in person. I wrote that, so it had everything. But there's a questionnaire in there, and even if the questionnaire doesn't feel like it's, you know, the score is high, you're going to probably identify with it because in my, you know, my estimate, I think everybody needs to at least do a 90-day clean-out of the anti-candidate cure program because not only will they feel amazing, but then they'll be educated how to age with quality. So that's what I would do is start to get connected because it's, people put up with things like minor gas bloating. They're tired all the time. They have eczema. Uh, males might have sinus issues or jock itch. You know, these are all signs of yeast overgrowth. Okay. So... A lot of the most benign things we put up with are usually connected to yeast and obviously more severe things. But it's something that, you know, I've been doing for 18 years now and then longer because of my own health journey, that, you know, bacteria is important and parasites. I, and by the time you're doing my program, we're addressing all the critters, as I call them. Yeah, yeah. But still the most grossly ignored is yeast because women think, oh, I've never had a vaginal yeast infection. This has nothing to do with me. And I said, most women don't that are loaded with candida. Wow. And guys go, well, I don't have, you know, I might have female anatomy. It can't be me. And I said, yeah, but do you have toenail fungus and sinus issues and prostate problems? They said, that's all related to candida. Wow. It underlies so go, everything. Well, it, yeah, it does. And it's, I mean, you know why? Because it's naturally um, living in the environment within the body. So it's in prime position to get out of balance, and because our diets are usually filled with sugar and carbs, and the main protocols in Western medicine will upset that dynamic, mm -hmm. that's why it's so common. And mm -hmm. it doesn't mean I'm anti-Western. We need drugs and surgery, but you need to know what to do when you take a round of antibiotics. You need to get on probiotics and then probably do a round of herbal antifungals. And so, yeah. Go ahead. You know, I was going to say that I see in, in my practice as a psychotherapist, so many of my clients are on various medications for physical and emotional issues. And just um, let even a little 11-year-old I saw the other day, it's a really brilliant little girl, that was obvious, but she's having trouble focusing. And the first thing I asked, like, tell me what you eat, breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, because I had been reading your books, preparing for today, and all sugar and, like, sugar, everything. And I was like... You need to get this book to the father and, you know, what what modifications are you willing to make knowing she's a kid, you know, like she doesn't need to be eating salads every meal, for example. But like so they agreed to make some food choice choices different, you know, and come back in a month and talk to me about if there's changes in her behavior and her attention span. So so, yeah, I think it's such a call like sugar and our diet, the foods, it's not quality food anymore compared to in the past. That, that's being grown, that we're purchasing, that's just per pervasive. Well, and I think, you know, when someone kind of hears this and it's foreign to them, I said, start simply. Just do an experiment and get dairy out for one month. And then the next month, take gluten out. I mean, if you have to go slowly, that's fine. Yeah. But I think if you just do some of those basic people like, oh, my God, I don't have post-nasal drip. And you know what? I didn't have sinus pressure. And you know what? I actually slept better because I wasn't. So I think that any change, any consciousness towards cleaning up and getting rid of inflammation in the body, people are going to see the results rather quickly. Yes. And then you build on it. And so it's it's one, it's like I said, it's a choice and a desire. And I think when, you, when we go back to those statistics of what's going on in the United States and even abroad, 
we don't really have much alternative but not to get conscious and make better choices. And I always, it always amazes me if I'm at a party and I'll hear someone say, oh, oh I could never give that up. And I'm thinking they're living with something that's either so painful or so debilitating. Yes. I'm thinking, really? It always astonishes me. Right. That we cling to what we want to, you know, and that I think goes back to beliefs, you know, not believing at some level that, that we can make these changes or that we deserve them or that we're good enough to have perfect health, however that's defined right. by the individual. It really does go back to, I think, beliefs, which ties into upbringing and it, it's all so intertwined. And that's why you bring so much, I think, to your clients. Like you're a therapist, you're a medical person, you're, you know, like you, you cross so many different fields in your work and in your practice. And I like shortcuts. I don't want to keep, I, I really want to help people make changes as quickly as they can. I'm not the most patient person, so I'm with them. <laughs> yeah. But I also know that you can't change 45 years of history in two days. That right. We all want the magic fix. We've been brainwashed for that, but it's not that way. And so there's so many more tools to expedite that. But, you know, the biggest one is what you said about belief systems. You know, that was, that's why I'm alive today. If I had never, if I took what that position said and said, you're going to be in a wheelchair and this is incurable, I'd be dead by now. Yes. But because I went and I challenged that and I thought, well, who made that belief and why? And I, I really, in my MS book, I talk about how to challenge a belief system. And so whether you're talking about money or health or whatever, I tell people how to break it down to ask themselves the right questions. And then they'll realize, you know what? I don't really believe that. Yes. And then you literally just pro- proclaim out loud a new belief, but then you have to uphold it with actions and thoughts and catch yourself when you're backsliding. And eventually it becomes your new belief. And that's what I allow the body to do because, you know, science, like I said, it never, it will never catch up to how brilliant the body is. It's getting closer all the time. And we're getting, you know, we're opening new doors all the time. That's supporting so much more. And we're, it's forcing medicine to change the paradigm to look not only at the gut as being the root cause of so many diseases, but looking from a holistic perspective, how everything's connected, what you think, what you feel, what you eat, what you breathe in. What you expose yourself to. And if you come from that perspective, you'll have success. Yes. Your book right now is open to the exact page you just referenced. So I'd like to read from this belief section where where Anne writes, sit down and ask yourself what you honestly believe about health, money, your self-worth, career, relationships, and the other aspects of your life. Begin to challenge everything from the mundane to the unconventional, such as whether you can regenerate your body on a cellular level. Break apart each belief to get to its core by asking yourself, where did it originate? Why am I carrying it? And does it serve any purpose now? I just, I think that's just so important to start, to start there, you know, to, to look at the layers of, of where our physical health intersects with our emotional health and our belief systems and our family of origin and what we read and watch and do and don't and how we can change any of those areas and any change in, in any area promotes better health, you know, at all. Well, I, I agree, and I think that, you know, people are going so fast. There's technology, and everybody's playing with their phones 24-7 that we're not slowing down enough to, you know, be mindful of what we're thinking, what we're not feeling, what we, you know, what we're avoiding, et cetera. I mean, 
I can tell you that if without your health, you have nothing. Yeah. And the goal is we are all going to go, we're all going to move on in life. But the reality is we all want to age with quality. And so that's my ultimate goal is not only to see someone transform with what they presented on my in a visit, but also that they age with quality as best they can. Because you want to have your mental acuity and flexibility and you want to be ambulatory. And so, you know, we have people living longer than ever before, but they're not living with quality. Right. And that's a big difference. Yeah. And and I think it's it's just cost effective too, very simply. If you take care of your body, there is less doctor's visits, you know, money spent on medication. It just you'll have more money to do other things at just a very simplistic level. Absolutely. It's a you know, I, I tell people we have a spiritual body and we have an emotional but you're in this carnal body. So even though you are more than the body, if you don't support that house and nurture that house, it will crumble over time. Mm-hmm. And so to augment, to augment this, can you talk about your supplement line and, and how you developed that? I, you know, I'm always an avid researcher and a seeker and, you know, there's always so much more to learn. But as I went on in practice and I recognized those common denominators of blood sugar being off and liver gallbladder being congested, et cetera, I played with a lot of different lines and, you know, I merged with, you know, Apex Energetics and uh, they're a wonderful manufacturer who makes great supplements. And I found a few products within their line that I thought were getting the best results in a short period of time. So I pulled from that to private label and then I with one of their on-staff acupuncturists to create the Candida ABX, which is my antifungal. It's an herbal formula. Oh, very cool. And that together is, you know, I just, like I said, I work from a synergistic viewpoint to get as much activity to remove the inflammation and then repair the body in a quick amount of time. And they provided, that company provided what I thought were the best products to be able to do that. And it's proven itself so. That's great. Um, how can people find your products and reach you? Everything's on my website. So if they just go to annbaroque.com, A-N-N-B-O-R-O-C-H.com, it's a really nice website. So there's everything from videos that I've done to frequently asked questions to my supplements to purchase, uh, books that I've written. And, you know, I really try to make it so that they had everything they needed there to, you know, and I do Skype around the world and phone consultations. So if someone can't see me in New York, I, I, my books are in several languages. So I have I many, that. many internet. That's clients. great. And, and you're speaking May 28th um, at the Canadian School of Natural Nutrition, mm-hmm. the Alumni Association. That's so cool in Toronto. I am. I'm very excited. It's my first keynote presentation. So Congratulations. I hope it's one of many more. Yes. Yes, thank you. You're welcome. So you, you, besides being an author, are you currently writing any new material, or what's the focus of your practice right now? Well, the focus is a couple things, yes. I, I definitely think there's another book coming out of me, and um, it's, I'm speculating on that, but yes, there is. And I'm wanting to move into doing a practitioner's course. I think that oh, cool. over time I'll, I will reduce, yeah, I'll reduce the private and get into where I can teach practitioners my foundational because I, I feel people ask me since I've moved, they're like, you know, and they continually do, who does your work? And, and I really don't have, I mean, I know there's wonderful people out there. I'm not the end all, but I feel it's time for me to teach practitioners what I know. And so I want to develop a course. I think that's totally where you need to go. That just feels right to, to take everything you've learned and then teach others, you know, to be able to carry on. 
this knowledge. Yeah, thank you. So I'm, ex- I'm excited. Yeah. It's a lot of work. There's you know so much time in a day, but I'm getting some nice support and hopefully collaborate and um, get a course out there soon. And so you used to live in Los Angeles. What what brought you to New York? It was the expansion of my career. I kind of felt like I hit the glass ceiling in Los Angeles, okay. and I wanted to reach volumes of people. And so I wanted to do more speaking and teaching and bigger connections because I want, you know, it's wonderful to do the one-on-one. There's something so magical about a personal visit with someone. But I know I'm now at the level where it's time for me to reach many more people and the opportunities were here. Oh, that's great. So you moved, you moved and and did it and took the step of faith. I I did it. People are like, you crazy? (laughs) Come to New York. They go the other way for the weather. And I said, I know. I know it is just kind of backwards, but it's actually, it's been really great. Yeah. You sound happy there. I am. I am happy. So what other things? We have we have a, a few more minutes to talk. What other things are on your mind to talk to listeners about today? Um, you know, I'd like to just share about my newest book was the, the cookbook, The Candida Cure Cookbook. Yes. So that, what that does is it marries both my healing and massive of autoimmune conditions, which that book is great for because it goes into the spiritual, emotional dimensions, not just the physical. But The Candida Cure is really my nuts and bolts, how to get everybody well. And the cookbook was something that I had to find the right chef. It took me forever because people said, well, I want to have more options and desserts and sauces and dips. And so I really, it was a, it's a beautiful four-color cookbook. And whether you're doing my program or not, if you've got gluten issues or dairy issues or yeast issues, um, it's, you know, there's something for everyone in there, whether you're a vegetarian, vegan, or, you know, paleo. So I'm really happy with that. It's beautifully laid out. Um, I was able to be, you know, instrumental with the photographer and doing the styling. And it's just, it's great because I didn't feel there was a resource that really hit all those avenues. You could easily find a gluten-free cookbook. You can easily find a sugar-free cookbook. But to put it all together for, you know, all those uh, things that people are dealing with, with candida and other issues, it wasn't out there. Not the way that I thought it needed to be. So um, that's just a nice resource for people to have more options because that's what happens in terms of doing the program and the board. And I don't yeah. like food boring. Right. So, you know, there's everything from great breakfast, but in the dip and sauce section, mm-hmm. I put a lot in there so people could flavor their protein or have a lot more to dip their vegetables in that wasn't like just guacamole. So there's a lot of great things, and people never think they get desserts when they're doing a program such as mine, and there's actually wonderful desserts in there. So well, I was, I'm very proud of that. Yeah, I was just looking on your page, even even – and you address various sweeteners and what's okay to use and, and how to use them. Because I, I go to say Whole Foods and I get so overwhelmed by like, what's healthy? Is this just some BS, you know, that's really bad for me? So I love, and, and even listeners, if if that might purchase your book, Healing Multiple Sclerosis or The Candida Cure, that there's a bunch of recipes in the back of those two books also that, I mean, like really good recipes, Indian risotto, roasted duck, uh, various smoothies and breakfast ideas. Uh, it's just so informative to break down, like, what are we seeing in the stores and, and how to use it to the advantage of our bodies and enjoy our food. Well, great. Well, yes, thank you. Because I also know You're that, welcome. you know, when you go into the health food store, about at least 70% of what you're eating there is not great for you. And so just because you go to the gluten-free section, most of that is just been replaced with white rice and corn and yeast and sugar. So I really do try to educate the reader in, you know, knowing what to look for and not. And 
product names. And I really give my heart and soul in my books. I want people to have everything they want at their fingertips and not need to see me or contact me. Yeah, it's obvious. Like right now, looking at blueberry muffins, namaste muffin mix. Like you make it so easy. You just get these specific things. And I'm sure people don't even know eating it that it's a healthier version for them. No, most of the time people don't anymore. It's funny because not everybody likes stevia. Yeah. But you've got things such as xylitol or chicory root and other things. And so you can easily, there's, you have to go by your palate because there's even now better stevias that are cut with some glycerin and you can't even tell that you're having stevia. So we've come a long way because there's so many allergies and sensitivities that the market is moving in that direction. And I'm just excited because I remember when I was doing this, when I was 18, oh my God, there was nothing in the health food store to enjoy. But yeah. puffed millet, which tastes like garbage <laughs> and cardboard. <laughs> it does. Yeah. You know, so today we've come a long way. You know, even when you just mentioned food allergies, the development of food allergies, uh, how did this even happen in, in our culture? Is it a byproduct of eating more sugar? And it seems like people have allergies to more things than, than ever, like thinking about our parents and such. So I'm, I'm kind of curious how how this ties into it's our topic twofold. today. I think it's a twofold problem. I think one is that candida overgrowth is an epidemic, so that's part of what's allowing the gut to be leaky. And then when it gets leaky, then it's creating more allergy responses to things that are benign. But the other thing is the chemical overload. When you've got genetically modified food organisms, mm, yeah. and that Roundup Ready insecticide basically that's in the seed acts like an antibiotic, uh, that's irritating leaky gut. And you're also, all, what all these chemicals are doing, they're weakening our immune system. And when you weaken the immune system, you're going to have more environmental and food allergies and sensitivities. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's how that's become more problematic. It totally yeah. makes sense. It's, it's a lot. And the thing is that you have to, it is important to buy organic because it's important to buy, you know, um, better cleaning products and stuff. Anything you can do to get less chemicals in and around you is really important because it, it, we're like a barrel. Mm. And if it's full of toxins and you're not efficient at moving, removing those toxins, then it's going to overflow. And where it's going to go is unique to each person. But the goal is, you know, drink purified water and distilled water. Add a, do some, you know, fresh hot lemon juice first thing in the morning and some water to help the kidneys and uh, the bloodstream clean out. You know, do more leafy greens and yes. things such as parsley and cilantro and watercress to pull out heavy metals. Every day we're breathing and taking more chemicals. So Yeah, we're absorbing everything around us. Right. And, you know, this is never a fun thing to talk about, but I always do. If you don't have a daily bowel movement, you're toxic, and you need to get that going because that's the first thing I do when someone walks in my office. If you're not moving daily... We don't detoxify and we don't go further. You have to have at least one movement a day. Yeah, that's Otherwise, you're going to set yourself up for conditions. Yes. It's so interesting. So interesting. So do you do a radio show also? I I saw on your website as well that you have various radio appearances. Do you have your your own show or is it no i don't you know it's funny i thought about doing that at one point but you know maybe that it's just you know it's where do i put my energy yes but no i've just been featured as on radio shows at this point i think i'm um gonna devote my time into writing another book and also getting my practitioner course going that's great so again people can reach you at your website annbaroque.com a-n-n-b-o-r-o-c-h.com yes 
I really well, yeah. thank you. It's, it's been so much fun being on here. I, I'm really a pleasure. Thank you for having me on. You're welcome, and thank you so much for taking your time out today. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That concludes our show for today with Ann Baroque at annbaroque.com. Join me next week. I have guest Nina Watt. She is a licensed marriage and family therapist. Additionally, she is a licensed professional counselor. And we're going to talk about her private practice in psychotherapy here in Los Angeles and in Portland. And she does. She has a unique way of working with couples. She enjoys going in the home to see what their life is about. And she reminds me of Virginia Satir, one of the great founding mothers of of therapy and and like moving the couple around putting them in certain chairs to orchestrate the healing and communication that needs to be done she does individual and couples therapy um by skype by phone and in person so join me next week and we will pick up there take care everyone You're listening to All Things Therapy.